Good day and welcome to the Waystations Ministries podcast. I'm Greg Spencer with a light for your journey and a good word for the road. It's great to be traveling together and I thank you for coming with me. Let's ride together for a while. Hi friends, it's great to be with you again. This is Greg Spencer from Waystations Ministries doing the Waystations Ministries podcast. And uh, it is a pleasure to be with you. I am so privileged to be able to do a podcast like this and make uh, the offering of ministry, if you will, help, assistance, friendship, encouragement, a little bit of vision, wisdom, insight, call it what you will. But it's a way of reaching out and offering help to uh, maybe make our way of life, our journey along life's way, a little bit better, maybe a little bit easier, certainly a little bit more peaceful, a little bit more joyful, and uh, hopefully uh, you'll find something good in it. And if you do, I hope that you'll share it, make it available to others, let people know about it, help us to expand the ministry, then you'll be doing ministry too, and I'll appreciate that truly. If you want to try to reach us, you can always uh, use email. You can reach me at uh, greg at waystationsministries.org. And uh, I'll look forward to responding to you. It's always great to hear from you. So drop me a line if you feel like it, whenever you get the moment. Well, I noticed that the uh, excitement in the world, around me at least, here in the United States, is seemingly positive as the world becomes more and more open, as businesses and restaurants and clubs and concert venues and baseball games and all kinds of things are increasingly open and more and more people are free or feeling free, while at the same time we are getting word of this new variant of the coronavirus. COVID-19 now has a variant that is rapidly growing and causing continued concern about the coronavirus. I understand in the past week the number of cases increased in the United States by 10% in just one week. And uh, so that means that this uh, coronavirus isn't over probably in any spot in the world right now. And some of the countries are very concerned and taking rather extreme action. In this country, I think it's being left a little bit more to the individuals, both in business and uh, person, as to how you're going to respond, what you're going to do. And so I, it is a good thing, I think, to help us to be more responsible and to take responsibility for ourselves and realize the impact that we have on others. So I carry a mask, and I'll continue to do that, both as an example and as a concern, because I know that the full indoctrination, or (laughs) vaccination rather, doesn't take away the threat of getting the disease. What it does is kind of ensures that we will not have to go to the hospital or lose our lives by it. And while that's wonderful and I'm glad and grateful, it doesn't mean that we won't get sick. So the uh, preventive measures are probably still a good idea. The social distancing and the masks, particularly if you're inside or in the midst of a large number of people, it's probably still a good idea. And so we encourage you to do that. But we have not overcome the malaise that we felt because of this virus. We haven't been fully restored and we're not free from some of the anxieties that we have still. So it's important that we deal with it a little bit. Now, why is that? Well, I'd like to suggest that perhaps the problem that we have, it could be one of two major issues that always seem to be a factor in the way that we think or the way that we feel. On the one hand, we wonder uh, if we are being let down or if our faith isn't real 
or if things just don't seem to work out for us or if we're fated to have a hard time. The other is an impatience uh, for a positive thing to happen. And uh, so we get frustrated because things aren't working our way. Things don't go our way. People don't act the way they should. They're not kind anymore. They don't help each other out. Um, the negativity that seems to be everywhere just becomes overwhelming. Now, we've all had people who've let us down, and we have people that don't like us. And there are persons that are trying to serve themselves in some way by you doing so at our expense. And so we get frustrated and we feel broken and we wonder why. Sometimes things happen that we don't deserve. Sometimes we feel like other people have let us down. Sometimes we feel like God lets us down. Sometimes we feel like prayer doesn't get answered. And uh, sometimes uh, we feel, oh, we want to avoid feeling weak or being meek. So even though our problems are sometimes greater than we are and we're not really sure how to solve them, we have a hard time trusting in God to do so. We have a hard time trusting others to do so, partly because we've been let down before, partly because it's very difficult when you're feeling weak and turning your attention inward to reach out. I know this happens um, in times of grief. People who mean well will come to a family member who's suffering the grief of the loss of a loved one, and, and they'll say, you know, if there's anything you need, just let me know. Now, they're trying to be kind, and they're certainly sincere and willing to help in any way they can. What they're not thinking about, though, is that a person who's going through the victimization of grief, who's caught in the emotional, overwhelming nature of that grief, the last thing in the world they can do is reach out. They can't reach their arms out. They can't open up and say, this is what I need. They can't uh, ask for help. So while the person means well in offering it, it really isn't likely to happen. People don't generally respond by asking for help or, or reaching out when they are feel so um, helpless, when it feels futile. So maybe what happens for people, if their prayers aren't answered, if it doesn't happen as soon as they'd like or in the way that they'd like, or they don't see any progress in the efforts that they're making, they may find it easy to think that God doesn't care. Or worse, they may think that God really isn't there. But that's not the only thing happening in our lives, is it? It's very often the only thing we think about, the problems that we have or the conflicts that we have to go through, the uh, struggles that we have or the depression that we feel. Very often we allow the negative emotions to really dominate us. It's not hard to understand. The negative things always scream for our attention. They try to get us to think about them in any way they can. They want to be the center of our attention. So they you know, do things that are very difficult, very demonstrative, uh, very extreme, and they look to see if you're going to get hammered by it. If you get overwhelmed by it, that gives them power. It gives uh, them influence over you, whatever that negativity might be. It can overwhelm your thoughts. It can overwhelm your emotions. It can keep you from getting sleep. It can keep you from eating well or doing things that are good for you. It can, you can, uh, well, you can be victimized tremendously. And it, it, in the long run, it can affect you physically and diminish your health. 
So it really isn't a good thing to allow the negatives to have that kind of influence over us. It's not a good idea to allow the bad things, the bad people, the difficult circumstances to rule in our lives. They don't deserve that. They're not for us. They're not with us. And uh, to allow them to have that kind of influence, it serves them, but it does no good for anybody. Now, on the other hand, if we were to look at what's going on in our lives, I think we would notice, if you give it a little bit of time and effort, you might discover that there is, what I believe to be true, more good than bad in our lives. There is much more positive than negative. Now, here's an example. Have you ever, you've had blessings. You've had good things happen in your life, haven't you? When those good things have happened, do you think that that's in isolation, that you're the only one that was affected? Or that the good that came only affected that one instant, that one individual thing. I don't think it works that way. I think it's more like good potato chips. There's no such thing as just one. I think it's like Oreos. Oreos are wonderful cookies, and you can't have just one. You can have two, but you can't have one. Why is that? Well, because when you have two, you can satisfy your eagerness to eat one and just chow it down without thinking about it. But you always have to have one that you separate so that you can enjoy the chocolate and then enjoy the cream. (laughs) You just can't do it with just one. Well, blessings, I think, are like that. I think the good is like that. And I think there is much more good in our lives and in our world than bad. But good is different from bad because good does not demand that you give it attention. It invites you to appreciate and to enjoy, but if you don't want to, you don't have to. It was raining earlier today in the part of the country where I am right now, and in that rain, the skies were were gray and dark, and the rain was coming down pretty hard for a while, and it's easy in rain to become glum, to become a little bit gloomy, to allow the negative darkness of the day to be overwhelming to you. But what happens is storms pass. And they pass because the wind blows. And when the wind blows, the clouds change from the dark gray to space between. And when there's space, you can see the sun is still shining. You can see the blueness of the sky. And you can see the tops of the clouds are white and lovely. And you can enjoy that. You can enjoy the fact that in the rain, everybody's staying inside and trying to avoid getting wet, and so are the animals. So you don't hear the birds singing, and you don't see the uh, bunnies in the yard. You don't see anything else going on. But once that starts to pass, you start to see all the birds coming out and flying around and singing, returning to the joy of life. And you can see that in the animals. You can see it in the green of the grass, and you can see it in the revigoration of the trees. You can enjoy the beauty that's all around you. And it's actually there in the rain, too. But we just don't pay attention. For years, most of what I hear from people are complaints and dislikes and dissatisfaction. There's disappointment and there's dismay and there's worry and depression. One might think that that's all they want to think about. That's all they want to talk about. They may even enjoy it. And I've known people who have used their complaints as a way of manipulating others. They've tried to influence other people's spirits. They, if they feel lousy, they want others to be lousy. I think that's where the cliche, misery loves company, comes from. I think there are people that do that. I think there are people that try to get themselves ahead by putting other people down. I think that happens. 
But when we're thinking that there's more good than bad, more blessing than woe, more God than devil, more hope than despair, and more joy than sorrow, it changes our perspective. Instead of looking at the darkness, we start looking for the light. We, instead of thinking only about the storm, we start thinking about where our peace comes from or where there can be peace in the midst of the storm. Can we be well in the midst of difficulty or darkness? I believe that we can, and I believe that God wants us to, and I think that's certainly what we want as well. So we may need to change our perspective, because maybe we cannot see. Maybe we need to be a little bit more patient, because a lot of the times we can't wait. But consider this. If you've ever been to a pizza shop where they assemble the pizza in front of you, in full view, you see the person who spins the dough and then they put it down on top of a screen of some sort or a pan. They spread it out nice and even. Then they take a spoon and they put the sauce and spread the sauce over the top of the dough. And then they sprinkle the cheese so it dances down across the top of the sauce. And then they put on whatever toppings there are for that particular pizza. And they put it on a tray or a pan of some kind, and they slide it into the oven. And you can see the grate that's turning, or you can see it go into the, the big ovens that um, have the fire. Sometimes they're baked with fire, sometimes they're steel, but you can see them put it in there. And over time, you can actually see the, the uh, dough start to brown, and you can see the bubbling of the sauce, and you can see the pe pepperoni starting to look good. And all the time, your mouth is starting to wa water as you're waiting patiently in in anticipation of something great. You may remember when you were a child, uh, maybe there was somebody who liked to bake in your house and uh, or grandma or something like that, and uh, they were baking cookies. Usually the favorites are like chocolate chips. I know that's true in our house. When the cookies are being baked, when they're first putting all the stuff together in the, in the pans and stirring it or mixing it, it doesn't draw too much attention or excitement, but once those cookies get into the oven, the smell fills the whole house, and smiles start to come. And you all come down when these cookie trays come out of the oven and get set on the cooling racks. There's a line that forms around the table waiting, oh, let me sample and make sure they're all okay. <laughs> and we can't have just one, of course. we got to have two or three. Oh, yeah, those are fine. That's a good batch. It's okay. <laughs> We're willing to wait for those chocolate chip cookies, aren't we? And when we're looking forward to the joy that they bring, we're not thinking about much else, are we? So we can be excited and happy in anticipation even during the waiting time. They're so willing to wait. Whereas in so many other things, because we're thinking about the negative, we have a hard time waiting. Let me suggest that in perspective, maybe God is better than we think. Maybe God is doing more than we realize. And maybe it's better than we expect. Is that possible? Well, I think it is. And I think there's some scripture that supports that. From the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5, verse 45, from the Common English Bible, we hear this word, God makes the sun rise on both the evil and the good, and sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. Well, if you talk to some people, they think rain is bad and sun is good. On the other hand, just a week ago, when it was 99, 100 degrees in some parts of the country, you might say, hear from those people that sun is not so good and rain would be great. It changes, doesn't it? For years, I served on the eastern shore 
which is called the Delmarva Peninsula. It's called that because there are three states that each own a part of that peninsula, Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia. Now, I don't know if you knew this. This is a nice nice little fact to, to share. Along the eastern seaboard, there's an awful lot of produce that comes from the eastern shore. Two major crops that are almost everywhere, at least that I've seen, uh, are watermelon and corn. And what you see is a watermelon that is grown on the eastern shore serves a good part of the eastern seaboard. And the same is true of corn. And the corn not only serves human beings, but there's a huge uh, uh, poultry uh, industry on the peninsula. So it serves both the, the chickens and all the people too. Well, the, the problem is, is that the, the corn and the watermelons like different conditions in order to grow their best. One crop likes water, the other likes sun. So on one season, if it's rainy, one crop does well. On the other, if in another year when it's all sunny, <clears throat> or raining, rather, that that crop does well. And so the farmers, depending on which they're growing, would be happy or sad in any given year. <laughs> God does not discriminate. And the rain is good for all, and the sun is good for all. If you lived in a desert, you really look forward to the rain. You, if you live in the icy, frozen tundras, the sun is something good to see. I've often wondered what it's like to live in Alaska where a good part of the year it's dark most of the time. Well, the idea is that God is not discriminatory. God brings good into all our lives. It doesn't matter who we are or how good we are or what we accomplish or what we don't. God answers prayer and meets needs and provides for all persons. It's not a conditional upon faith or choice or religion. It's not about that at all. In Matthew 6, verses 26 through 30, there's a couple of re different references that, that are used. Again, from uh, go the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 6. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, he was a king, in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Well, I think that's true. I think that God brings blessing into all people's lives. I think God answers prayer. I think sometimes people don't realize when they're praying, when uh, something bad happens or you make a mistake and you say, oh, shoot, <laughs> what is that if it's not a prayer? So it is. It doesn't matter about your particular theology, what church you go to, or, or those particular kinds of beliefs. The idea here is that a God of love who created all things loves all things and wants the best for all things and therefore provides for all things. Now, if we take that into our lives and our circumstances of darkness or storm or difficulty, this is what gave rise to the idea of what I call the Spencer Domino Theory of Grace. And where this comes from is an idea that one time, a long time ago, I remember there was an awful lot of television time given to these contests where persons would set up domino displays. They would take the regular box of dominoes and they would take many boxes of them, thousands of them. It's, at this point, I think they even do millions of them. 
But they would go into a huge room, like a gymnasium, and they would set up displays. They would set these dominoes up, standing up on one end, uh, right next to each other, and create these massive displays and events that take place. A huge, beautiful thing to watch. Uh, as a person starts at one, they knock over one domino and then the one hits the next and it goes on throughout the entire room and it, they do amazing things. They create amazing displays as a whole bunch will fall at one time and the, and the line continues. Some will jump from one space to another, uh, and the line continues. It's an amazing thing to watch. And if you haven't seen it, you can find it on Facebook and YouTube. There's all kinds of uh, resources where you can see what domino displays are like. And the falling of dominoes it fills you with a little bit of wonder. Well, I was looking at that and I was thinking that about that in relationship to prayer. If I believe that God is saying yes most of the time when we're asking for something, when we need something in our lives and God in love wants to provide, then there's a problem with this sometimes because we think it has to happen a certain way or within a certain time frame. And I think that watching a person set up these dominoes, that doesn't happen in an hour or two. That takes days. Sometimes it takes weeks for them to set up all these millions of dominoes. And it takes incredible patience to do that. But what they have a vision of is something wonderful at the end. And when they get to set those dominoes off, it's going to fill a lot of people with wonder and blessing. And I think that that's the way God works. I don't think that God blesses in isolation. I think many are blessed whenever a blessing happens. Now, I'll give you a practical example. There are persons who are, go to the hospital. And when they're in a hospital, usually there's friends or family that are waiting in a side room while the, the procedure is taking place. Now, we wait in the side room, and we're hoping for the best. When that comes, what do we find? We find that the doctor comes out and says the good news, and everyone in the room is relieved, and they smile, and immediately the phones come out and the texting starts. But it's not just them. It's the doctor who is rejoicing that the procedure was successful. It's the, the helpers that were in the operating room or the, whatever the procedure was, and they're all happy that they were effective. The person who has received the care is rejoicing. And everyone who hears the news, whether it's on Facebook or by text, uh, with any relationship with that person or even their relatives or friends, they all are blessed by the good news. Well, this is what I think is happening with the answering to prayer. There are so many blessings that are going to happen. And God tells heaven, okay, we're going to answer this guy's prayer, this girl's prayer. We're going we're gonna to go make this happen. So they start immediately setting up dominoes, realizing how many different people will be affected by this blessing. They think about the way that the blessings can happen and the wonder that it can bring, the joy that it can bring, and the different ways that people would see it or hear it or receive it. And so there's fancy displays of how this is going to take place. But it takes a while. We offer our prayer, and then we sit down beside uh, at the side of the gym or sit in the bleachers waiting and watching and wondering. And we can wait a day or two or maybe a week, but we wonder, hey, is God doing anything? Does God care? Well, we don't know. We don't see how all these dominoes are being set up. We don't realize that God's on the other side of the gym and working on this whole big thing. We're just noticing that we ask for one little thing and nothing's happening about it. So we wonder if God even cares. And then what happens? Well, we get up. We walk out. We go to the get a rest or a break or something. 
we can't sit any longer. We, we just feel like we've been forgotten or ignored or we're insignificant or something like that. But what really happened is we just couldn't get beyond ourselves. So we walk out. And maybe we'll come back. I don't know about that part. What I do know is that the, that the work for the setting up of the dominoes is continuing. And uh, eventually, when it's all ready to go, God calls together the whole company of heaven. And they all gather around up in the clouds looking down, of course. And, and God says, watch this, and goes down and sets the first domino off on that journey. And the dominoes start to fall, and the displays start to happen. And, it's, and it fills this heavenly choir with joy, and everybody gathered together just can't wait to see it all and all the different wonderful things that are going to happen. And it goes that way up until one spot is reached. It's the spot where we got up and walked out. It's the spot where we didn't notice and knocked over a few key dominoes. And the whole thing came to a grinding halt because we couldn't wait or because we couldn't see or because we didn't give the benefit of the doubt or we couldn't notice or pay any attention to what was happening. Now, there's this collective, oh, no, but if you look at the way they do the dominoes, the, the person who sets them all up is not willing to say, okay, I guess we're done. We'll just pack it up. Now, what they do is they take the time to go out, to go aside. They go down to where it stopped, and they start it again, right from the spot where it was left, right where it ended. That's where they go, and they start it again, and they hope that the rest of the blessings can still happen, and very often they do. Well, this is the Spencer Domino Theory of Grace that God works that way, that God says yes and starts working to put the dominoes in place. Now, if we happen to walk out, that doesn't mean the blessings are going to stop. It doesn't mean the blessings aren't going to create wonder and good. It means that we might miss it because we left the room. So what I'd like to suggest is, hey, let's presume good. Let's believe that there is beauty in our lives and that our lives are a lot more than the difficulty we have to face or the problem that we're enduring. Maybe this day is a gift entirely. There's a part of it that I may not like or may not enjoy, but there's an awful lot of it that if I have the eyes to see or the ears to hear or the mind to think and the heart to receive, that this can be a good day, even in spite of the storm or the darkness or the frustration or the impatience. Maybe this can be a much better day than I thought it was going to be. And wouldn't that make us more happy? Well, it's something to think about. And maybe while you're on your journey, you might start to notice a little bit more good, a little bit more bright, a little bit more peace, and be happy about it. And wouldn't that be great? Enjoy it. I hope it goes well. Hope to be with you next week. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, I'd like to thank you for being with us this time and hope that you'll join us again next time, next week, when we get together for a little more time on the road together. May it be good for you all the way through.